following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. It's time to break the cycle of waste and mess. Time to stop accepting that the way things have been done are the way they should be done. Control-Alt-Delete everything you thought you knew about how to period. We're flipping the script. We're throwing out the book. We're challenging the period status quo. The Diva Cup is eco-friendly, reusable, and offers up to 12 hours leak-free protection. So what are you waiting for? Join the inner revolution with the Diva Cup. The Diva Cup is used for menstrual flow only. Always read and follow the user guide. The following program is a Forbes and Podcast One production. Hi, I'm Denise Rastari, and this is Mentoring Moments. And I'm changing the intro today because today's show is unlike any other show. But first, I want to thank LifeLock for sponsoring Mentoring Moments. Equifax recently announced a breach of 143 million identities, and you need to take steps to get protection. Be among the millions who trust their identity theft to LifeLock. Go to LifeLock.com, use promo code Forbes for 10% off. And now on to a show that is a first for me. And I'm not going to bury the headline. I'm a little shaky. This episode is the final episode of Mentoring Moments. And that's why it's a first. And sitting across the kitchen table from me today is Libby Moore. And Libby joined me for the first podcast we ever had last year, back in April. And today we have a different show for you. And I'm going to tell you the story behind that headline. As I said, you know, Libby and I started this podcast off together. Libby's a coach, a storyteller, an adventurer. She's the ultimate connector. And before that, she was Oprah's chief of staff for 11 years. And she was with Oprah through the end of the Oprah Winfrey show. But it's what Libby did between all of that that really got me excited that she went on the Libby Moore Gypsy Tour. It was 365 days of just following her heart. And I would listen to her talk about that, and I would think, ooh, I want to do that. And then one night, we were, Libby and I were speaking at a Forbes and Shinola event, and Libby was talking about all of her days with Oprah and all the great stories. And then she shared a few stories about the Libby Moore Gypsy Tour. And at the end of it, The women who were in their 20s and 30s, everybody was coming up, not so much about tell me more about your days with Oprah, but more of (laughs) tell me more about the Libby Moore Gypsy Tour. I want to go on the Libby Moore Gypsy Tour. And so I said to them, well, then why don't you? But what I realized was, although I was genuinely asking them that question, I was really asking myself that question. Why don't I go on the Libby Moore Gypsy Tour? Then the universe, you know, it has this magical way of presenting things in your life when you're not doing what you should be doing. And it helped me find my answer. And my husband is the new editor in chief of the LA Times. And we're now moving to Los Angeles, which I'm thrilled about. I'm so excited. I'm a New Yorker. I love New York, but I'm so thrilled about the new opportunities and going on this adventure with my husband. And after great, great thought, And 380 posts and 70 podcasts later of mentoring moments, the time really had come for me to say, I need to go on my adventure. I need to create my version, and not even my version, but my own, but taking taking the inspiration from the Libby Moore Gypsy Tour and to Mm -hmm. do what I need to do to... There's, I've always felt like there's this creative soul inside of me that I want to make something and that it's, I've always covered it up with being creative in business. And I've had a great life being creative in business. But now you know, I'm 63, I'll be 64 in six weeks, but who's counting? And <laughs> maybe seven weeks. <laughs> and um, look again and say, I want the next 10 years of my life to be the best 10 years of my life. And I want to thank my husband for that because he's the one that says that all the time, that he wants the next 10 years to be the best 10 years of our life. And so to do that, it was like, what do I want to do? And I would say, I want to live a life with a big purple couch and I want to go grow an artichoke. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do something we've talked about a gazillion times on this show to follow your dreams and your passions and go into the uncomfortable unknown to find what truly drives you. 
And, you know, I will always support women. I will always want to amplify their voices and be a part of women helping women. That won't go away ever. But now is the time for me to say, I'm going to take that break. And I'm going to focus on finding that inner hippie that mm-hmm. lives inside of me and bringing her to life. And I want to thank everyone who has joined us at the kitchen table, that whether it's your first show today or you've been with us from the beginning, thank you, thank you. And to thank you to all the women who have come on the show and have sat at this table with me and have shared stories that have made us laugh, that have made us cry, some stories they never thought they would tell that the show has inspired them to share that story. It's given them the freedom and it's helped others. So I want to thank everyone for that. And now Mm. we're going to start a show. And I also want to thank Kathy Eldon, who introduced me to Dan Benna, who introduced me to Libby Moore. And I'm going to turn it over to Libby because the other thing why this show is unlike any other is Libby's going to host the show today. I'm, I'm flipping the script and turning it over to Libby for the day. Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you, Denise, for inviting me here to interview you. First of all, I you continue to help me step out of my comfort zone and my box. So when you ask me to interview you for your last show, I've never interviewed anyone in my whole life. So the fact that I'm 51 and you're saying, hey, will you come on my podcast? <laughs> I love it that we're doing it. Right? You know, it was the first podcast I did. I had never done I never even listened to a podcast. Really? Yeah, so when Forbes said, do you want to do this podcast? I'm like, sure. And I'm like... I mean, I figured it couldn't be. I mean, it's like a radio show. Right. I was kind of knew what a podcast was, yeah, but I yeah. was like, I've never even listened to them. Oh my God. I love that. So I love, again, so thank you for having me on this show in particular, the first one and this one and trusting that I can do it. And this is my first time interviewing anyway. So we're going to go with the flow and we did a little meditation ahead of time. So we're in the zone and whatever's meant to come out will come out. Um, I also want to thank Kathy Eldon. And I woke up at around three this morning and I had this thought, how did I meet Denise again? Which was through Dan Benham, Pepsi, right? Yes. And then Dan had known Kathy Eldon and Creative Visions and their board. And I was thinking how amazing it is that tonight, so essentially I met you through that connection. And tonight is the premiere of The Journey is the Destination, which is the film about her son that they've been wanting to make, she and Amy have wanted to make for a year. So it's not a coincidence that we're doing this and that's tonight in New York. And just, again, I highlight that because the point I believe of a lot of every one of these podcasts is how they're, the universe is helping you, whatever you want to call that God source, divine universe, this energy flow. And when you hear these women's stories that have sat at this kitchen table, when we think things are falling apart or, oh no, the divorce, or you get fired or, you know, whatever the situation is, you realize there's this, it's really life force bringing you in a direction where you're most needed, that you're going to be so happy. So thank you. Thank you. And for everyone to know, Libby and I sat here earlier and we meditated a little and then I cried. Yeah. So this is not an easy day for me. Yeah. I'm trying to keep it together. And as we were doing the intro, I was really yeah. trying to keep it together. But it really, it's, yeah. it's a very touching day for me. I'm going to take a deep breath. I think. Mm-hmm. I because think I'm so grateful to everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And let the tears flow because that's a part of what <laughs> this whole. Well, there is a part right? of Kleenex here. That is a we, part of this whole you'll thing. You'll be sorry you asked for that. <laughs> no, I will not be sorry. And neither will anyone listening because it's about being vulnerable. Right. That's been a big point of these podcasts is we hear these successful women. We see them on panels. We go to the women's conferences. We read about them in the news and media. And we think, oh, wow, they're perfect. And the reality is nobody's perfect. Even these companies where we think it's perfect, there's no such thing as perfect. And so I love how you've opened up all these women and you've created this space for women to be open, honest, and vulnerable and truly share the whole story so that other people can hear their story and and learn from it and say, oh, if they can do it, I can do it too. Right. And we've got 70, this will be, this is number 71. Wow. And so everyone can go back and listen to all these, yes. they, they are evergreen. They are just timeless, all these stories. Truly, it's an incredible library. And I want to kick it off by asking you, out of all these interviews that you've done, 70 interviews, what would you say, whatever organically pops up in your head, no editing, what are the top three lessons you've learned that have resonated the most with you personally out of all these interviews? Yeah, I, the number one is 
and I know it sounds so cliche, but it's to really follow your dreams. And, you know, I think we tell that to young people a lot, but we also have to put in the part, but you have to pay the rent as well. But I think one of the messages, and so when it go beyond that and say it's that figure out who you are. And Mandy Gonzalez, when she was on the show, so Mandy is a star in Hamilton. She is just so talented and she's in her 40s. And she was um, Wicked. When she played on Wicked, she played Elphaba, the Green Witch. And she was singing Defying Gravity. And she's flying across the stage and singing Defying Gravity. She has a moment that says, she says to herself, I want more than this. I want to have a child. And everyone's like, are you crazy? You're going to give up all of this. You're, you know, you're at the top of everything, literally at the top. You're flying across the Broadway mm -hmm. stage. And she was like, I don't know if they're ever going to take me back. I don't know if I'm going to want to come back to Broadway and if they'll have me back. But I have to go do this. So I have to get off right now. And I think that is courageous, right, to be able right. to really have that deep down moment of saying, this is what I want. And if I have to give that up to get this, then I, I will. And hopefully I won't have to give that up. But also to be honest enough to say, I don't know if I want to come back to it. The second one is that nothing in life is sudden. And as you know, we've, we've been on stage again together. Um, and I was talking about suddenly Denise. And nothing in my life has been sudden, although how often do I say, and then suddenly this mm -hmm. happened. And then suddenly my husband's the new editor-in-chief of the LA Times, and suddenly I'm going to LA. Well, that may have been sudden in its action taking, but there's nothing sudden about being ready to make the move. Nothing was sudden about my daughter and the adoption. Nothing was really sudden about losing my first daughter through the adoption process. Mm -hmm. It felt sudden, but we prepare all of our lives to be in these places that we put ourselves in or the universe puts us in. So I think that's the other one is that nothing is sudden in life. And we might think it is, right. but everything we're doing, every move we make is preparing us for the next. And the third would be one that Fran Hauser had talked about is that as women, we don't think we're ever enough. And you, and, and, and that's going to tie in Libby to something that you had talked about on the shows of we live in the prison of our minds. And I think those two are very, they're saying the same thing in very different ways. Fran talks about, she shares a great story of, she is having lunch with Agapi Stasinopoulos who has been on the show. And Agapi says, you know, Fran, how are you? And Fran sits down and set, starts talking about, my book's doing great and this is doing great and that's doing great. And after she goes through all the things in work that are going great with her life, Agapi says, darling, I just asked you how you are. <laughs> <laughs> and so how often do we do that, right? Like, you know, how are you? We don't sit yeah. there and say, it's about me that I'm enough. Yeah. It's about, I have to have all these brands and all mm. these accomplishments. That's who mm -hmm. makes me. Yeah. And that when we realize that we are enough, mm -hmm. then we don't need to attach ourselves to those things. They're just a part of what we do. They're right. not who we are. Yeah. I love that. And I can go on and on. I mean, the other one, I think there's so many that you have shared with me that have stuck with me. You know, one is that Oprah told you the walk. Sometimes the walk just needs to be the walk. Right. And that when we give away our power to yeah. people, how often do we do that? When we think that someone's prettier than us or someone's smarter than us. Right. And we give away that power to that person that we're not owning who we are, which goes back to, are we enough? So, you know, when you look at these, they circle um, around so to yeah. each other, they kind yeah. of all connect. Yeah. And I love that you, the number two about things don't really happen suddenly. And I was thinking how at that panel you did say, oh, I want to do my version of the Libby Moore Gypsy Store. That was 10 months ago. So you are, you had that thought in your head and here you are. You've got it. Yes. You, you guys are packing up. You're moving to LA. I'm going to grow an artichoke. So exciting. You're going to grow an artichoke. Explain to me what that means. I'm going to grow an artichoke. Well, when my husband first learned about the job and we were talking about moving to L.A., the first thing I had said was, I'm, real, I'm, I'm going, I'm going, I want a purple couch. 
And that was symbolic of, you know, I love my apartment here in New York, and it's very neutral with a lot of art. And, you know, but the colors are that classy off-white taupe gray. And there was a part of me that's like, I want my inner hippie to come out. I mm. want a purple couch. I don't know if I literally want a purple couch, but it was that visual. That's what I want my life to be. I want it to be filled with a big purple couch. Well, then a couple weeks later, my friend sends me the cover of Dwell magazine is this huge purple couch on the cover. <laughs> and she was like, coincidence? I think not. Right. So that then led to by saying, you know, I want to have a purple couch and I want to grow an artichoke, but I want mm. to grow something with my hands. Mm-hmm. I want to make something. And the artichoke, I don't, yeah, there was no other reason why an artichoke came to me except that a friend of mine who grew up in California lives in New York, has a place in upstate New York, grew an artichoke in her place, upstate New York. And she posted it on Facebook and said, the California girl lives within me. This was like Mm. a seven, eight months. This was not anytime recent. I grew an artichoke. So that was just this this vision in my head of I'm going to go grow an artichoke. So that's what I'm saying. And we were at dinner the other night with Sherry Paul, who is your friend, who is my friend. Our friend. Our friend now, Mm -hmm. but she started out with, you introduced me to her. And Sherry, I said that and Sherry looked up, she Googled it and it takes 180 days to grow an artichoke. And she said something I think that is really meaningful for everyone to keep in mind, whether you're taking the artichoke literally or figuratively. If you try to rush the growing of the artichoke and you water it too much, it will rot. Mm. If you don't water it enough, nothing good's going to happen to it. So her point was, and don't try to rush through growing your artichoke. Yes. Because good things won't happen. Right. And that also reminds me when we were talking about, um, I think something that came up at that dinner was that's real power that when people say, Oh, what do you do? Cause that's such the door opener mm-hmm. in particular in places like New York, LA, you know, these London, these, these places where it's very high achieving people and industries. What do you do? I think an amazing real power saying, Oh, I'm growing an artichoke because everybody you're going to be bombarded with invitations and requests and all of that. And you get to really check in with yourself to say, is this something I want to do? And you mentioned your age earlier. Yes. I talk about it a lot. <laughs> I love that. I think that's so hot, right? So you are 63 yes. right now and you really are embarking on your Denise Rostari inner hippie tour. Yes. Um, and I also want to point out, you said that you're there, there's, I believe you said, I think there's this creative soul inside of me, which is, you know, I know there is, that's I know who there you've is. always yes. been yes. for those that have heard the podcast before caught the story of the scarves and your butt, like that's you, you've always been an artist. So right. to be able to take all of this experience and melt it with your inner hippie and your inner gardener, artichoke grower. I am so excited to see what's going to happen. Yeah, I really want to find that creative Denise that lives inside of me. That, and 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 here's the other part. I think there are two things. I want to go back to the artichoke because, you know, it's leaving USA Today and the becoming an entrepreneur. I left a brand. I really was Denise at USA Today. I didn't have a last name. May I interrupt you? Mm-hmm. How old were you when you left USA Today? I was. Um, maybe 45. And you were a single mom at that point? Yes. I want to highlight that because people that think you had it all easy breezy. Oh, no. That was quite a leap. Yes. I I was a single mom without child support, without Mm -hmm. any of those things. Yeah. And I I did take that leap that I questioned many times afterwards, but only... Do you now? No, no, no. Fantastic. No, no. But it was going through the rough times of being an entrepreneur because financially, and I tell the story a lot, financially, my startup was not successful. Mm-hmm. But I had to get over that and realize that success is much bigger than finances because that, that startup led me to where I am today. And if you look at all of the, you know, I've interviewed between the post, the podcast and my book, I've interviewed over 500 women mm-hmm. in the past seven years. And so it's led me to be able to meet some fabulous women, to hear stories from a lot of fabulous women um, that I would have never, maybe I would have, but I don't know how else I, you know, it's like, but that's what, that was the road I was on that took me here. So I'm very grateful for that. But it was hard because I was no longer, Denise, I had no brand to attach to. 
And then I went and started to work as a consultant with Forbes. So as a contributor, and then I did the Forbes Women's Summit, and then you had the Forbes brand to attach to, right? So, oh, I write for, I don't write for Forbes. I'm a contributor for Forbes. I do this with Forbes. And then Podcast One came into the podcast. It's like Forbes and Podcast One. And now I'm going back out on that. I don't have a brand to attach to. And I kept thinking, I have to name something what I'm doing. I have to give it a name. So when people say, what do you do? I can do something like even with Girl Quake, it's I amplify the voices of women. I swear to you, so many people probably don't even understand what I'm saying, but it's like, oh, that sounds cool. Mm-hmm. Like they don't even ask you, what does that mean exactly? Yeah. It's like, that's cool. So, so I was like, I want one of those. Yeah. And then we were having dinner and I said to you, you know, I right now I want to go grow an artichoke. And you were like, that's what you should tell people if yeah. I were sitting across the table from you. Mm-hmm. And you said, I want to go grow an artichoke. You were like leaning in saying, I want to know more about that. Exactly. So I think that goes back to thinking that we're enough, right? Yes. And that, that I don't need the title. I don't need, it's like, I'm going to grow an artichoke. And I told it to someone last night and they were like, I want to do this. And I told it to a man who is in his late 60s, who is, I won't, I won't say who he is, who has very high profile jobs, very high profile jobs. And I told this to him last week and he said, you know what? I want to give myself permission to go grow an artichoke with you. I love that. And, you know, not everybody wants to go grow, go grow an artichoke right now. So I'm not suggesting that's what you do, but it was great that a a guy who's very high power didn't look at me and think, what the heck? Right. Like, you know, how useless is that? Right. He was like, I want to go with you on that journey. And even by you saying that, even planting that seed with him or, or Sherry and I at dinner the other night, it's like, wow, it makes you really stop in your tracks for those that it does resonate with. It gives them permission to start thinking about what do I want to do? What, whether it's a gypsy tour or a hippie, find your inner hippie or grow an artichoke. That's, that's what we're doing. And things are moving so quickly right now. People need to hear that. So I love that you're doing that. And I think it's, you know, in the, in the exploration of who you are, because if you yes. look at like your, your tour yeah. that, that had its, well, you still kind of are on a tour. It became my life. Yes. Right. So who knows where growing an artichoke is right. going to lead you. <laughs> she um, says with a big smile. Yeah, exactly. It's been amazing without, and, and of course, you know, um, over the past almost six years now, there have been moments of holy fill in the blank. <laughs> um, how am I going to do this or that or financially make these ends meet? And when I look back, I was, I always figured out a way. And that's the truth. At 63, you can look back and say, I have always, whether you meet someone or you, you're offered a job, it's always worked out for you. So I wanted to ask you with all these women that you've interviewed, what would you say is the most common fear that you've heard when you hear their highs and lows in the life journey? What is the most common fear? Oh, that's a good one because I think we have so there, there are so many fears that come up. Let me think about that for what a would second. Be the right. First thing that popped into your head, not being good enough. Yeah. Not, you know, not being a perfectionist. Um, so you know, beating ourselves up. So it's not a fear. The fear is that I won't do good enough, that whatever I'm doing is not good enough, which is different than not being good enough. There's another piece to that, that, you know, I say that again. I want, so it's that if I'm doing a presentation, I'm not going to, it's not going to be good enough. Mm -hmm. If I'm a mother, I'm not good enough. Mm. If I'm, which, you know, is different than looking at yourself and saying, I'm enough. There is another piece of that of saying we're, that constant, um, trying constantly to be the perfectionist, to have everything perfect, and that we have to do everything perfectly, and then that takes on to I think one of the biggest fears is afraid of taking any risks, mm-hmm. because if you take a risk and you don't know what the outcome is, so it's the fear of change a lot of times as well. So they kind of all intersect. Yeah. Before Libby and I keep going, I want to give one last shout out to LifeLock. With the recent credit bureau breach, one of the common questions is, should I freeze my credit? Unfortunately, taking this step won't protect you against every identity fraud threat arising from this data breach. Hackers got access to social security numbers, birth dates, and an unspecified amount of driver's license numbers. 
They can use this type of personal information to commit crimes in your name and even steal from your 401k. So now is the time to get protection. Sign up for LifeLock today. They use proprietary technology to detect a wide range of identity threats and will alert you if your information is being used. If there's a problem, one of their agents will work to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But LifeLock can help you see more than if you're just monitoring your credit. Go to LifeLock.com or call 1-800-LIFELOCK. Use promo code Forbes, that's Forbes, for 10% off your LifeLock membership. Visit LifeLock.com and save 10% now. So for you at 63, I'm going to ask a super vulnerable question sure. if, you, if you want to answer it. What, what, what are your fears about making this leap of faith? The unknown, right? So as exciting as the unknown is, there's an anxiety to the unknown. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about this earlier. There are moments where I have that, oh my God. I mean, this morning, I've been out of sorts all morning because this is my last podcast. And as much as that means that gives me the freedom to go discover Denise and to go grow my artichoke and figure out what else I want to do in life. And that doesn't mean that I haven't loved doing this. This has been a brilliant chapter in my life. And, you know, it's, and, but to get to the next chapter, I can't do it all and do it all to the fullest, not perfect, not perfectly, but to the fullest that I want to do it. And I need to free myself, my body, my spirit, my mind. I just need to free myself to go into that next chapter mm-hmm. of my life. But that creates anxiety. I don't know where we're going to be living. We haven't found a home yet. We're selling our apartment here in New York. All of these things are normal. But if you look at the things that cause stress in people, it's like what? Moving, new jobs. Yeah. And you know, I'm 63. Mm-hmm. So it gives you more experience to be able to say it will be okay. But it's also, my life has become very comfortable. Right. You know, we have a great apartment. We live a great life, everything. We know where everything is. And now I'm going into a zone. And it's also something I never dreamed of. You know, coming to New York, I always wanted to live in New York. I always wanted to live in New York. I have never said, I want to live in LA, Mm -hmm. ever. That I'm excited about going and exploring and doing all those things. But I, that was never in my stratosphere. Never. I mean, it was like, we're going to live and die in New York. Right. That's it. We'll be here forever. And nothing is forever, right? I mean, um, so that's the, so suddenly, I say that in quotes, mm-hmm. suddenly we were in Montauk this summer. And that's when Lewis got the call about the LA Times. And that was the beginning. I was buying sea salt. I was deciding regular sea salt or lemon (laughs) sea salt. I didn't know which sea salt to buy. And within moments, there's an opportunity put in front of you that is life changing. Mm. So it's, it's, you know, even my breathing coaches said that anxiety and excitement register the same in your body. Mm -hmm. And that if I didn't have any anxiety about this, she would say to me, if I came in and said, I'm just only excited and there's no anxiety, she would say to me, only cross the street when the light is perfectly <laughs> green, because <Okay? Right. laughs> you're really off. Right. There's something yes. really wrong with right. you. Yeah. But you know, when I want to share that message to everyone that you just have to, if it's something you want to do, and this is something I really want to do, you have to get out of your comfort zone mm-hmm. and it's hard. Yeah. And you got to put yourself around the people who want to support you, mm-hmm. not the people who are jealous, because right. we run into a few of them along the way, who want to tell you things like, really, you would do that? I mean, aren't you supposed to be getting ready to retire? It's like, really? No, no, that, that never came into our stratosphere. But people want to put their crap on you, right? As far mm-hmm. as this is where their fears come from, yes. and they want to put them on you. So it's really hard not to let their fears attach to you because you're vulnerable, right? I'm vulnerable right now, right? I'm moving, everything is up in the air. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not as stable as I may have been two months ago. Yeah. And how do you ground yourself, so to speak? Or is do you have any kind of practice that you feel like, okay, I'm feeling anxious right now. Is there any... Yes, but between you and my breathing coach, it really is breathing. Yeah. And taking that moment, even if I'm in the shower, I will like breathe there, whatever Mm -hmm. it's like. I also listened once again to Mandy Gonzalez. She had, she was in um, 
the Broadway show In the Heights. And she sings one of my favorite songs called Breathe. Mm. And it's just a great song about a girl who grew up in the Heights here in Jackson Heights in, in New York and went off to Stanford and didn't cut it. And she comes back and everyone thinks she's a hero, but she's not in mm. her head. And so she doesn't know how to tell anyone the song is just about just breathe. So I sometimes will play that because it just puts me into a good frame. But, but it's breathing. And once again, putting myself around people who will, I can pick up the phone, like I can call you, yeah. I could have dinner with you the other night, that put you into that state of, how cool is this that you're going to LA? Right, yeah. So just to be more specific, for someone that's listening and going, what do you mean breathe? Can okay. you give an example? Or do you feel comfortable yeah, no, sharing sure, that? Sure, sure, okay. So one of the things that you've taught me is that they, by the way, yes. I have to stop you here. This is not like fishing for it. When have you? No, no, I know you're not. Because <laughs> no. your breathing coach has right. Really no, my good, breathing coach yeah. has. But it started <laughs> Just with be you. Clear about but that. I think that's why you're here on the last show. Yeah. Is that because I think we have brought each other such valuable lessons, and and a lot of it started with you. So mm-hmm. the first podcast started with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you talking about the Living More Gypsy tour? You were the first person who got me into breathing with the Navy SEALs. They, oh, right, the four by four yes. breathing technique. Um, and that you would say to me all the time before a podcast, you would said to me one day, even if you go into the bathroom, leave your guest out here, go in the bathroom, yes. take three deep breaths. Yeah. Where it's three, right? Uh-huh. You, said, you can do breath. as many as you want. Yeah. So that was what got me started. So my breathing coach, though, has taken it to the next level. So there are a couple of things. One is she tells you to you inhale deeply through your nose and you have to exhale to there's no until there is absolutely no breath left in you. And you do the numbers. So you inhale and you exhale and you do one and you do that until you can't breathe anymore. And you do that for all 10 numbers individually. So an inhale for one and exhale, you mm-hmm. inhale for an exhale for two. Um, and she does it with the vowels also. So A-E-I-O-U. And they mm-hmm. all do different things to help you get into that state of creativity, of calmness, of just becoming present and current and being with yourself yes. and to have that silver light around you to protect you. I love that. I think that's so important because so many people now think, uh, how they, it, 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 it seems so monumental, like it's brain surgery or I need to go take this $3,000, uh, meditation class. No, you really don't. It's getting back to the basics. It's simply breathing. It really does center you. Yes. And you know, it's also helped with, I have scoliosis mm. in my back. So I have a curvature in my spine. So for lack of a better, there's a better way to describe that, but that's the easiest way. Mm-hmm. And it's starting to reverse itself. And my chiropractor has said, he think, you know, he agrees that it's a combination of him, Pilates, but the breathing coach has been the newest thing. And she's, and since then is when the x-rays are showing the reversal. So he is saying when you, when you bring in oxygen to your body, things can heal themselves, that this is not voodoo land, right? This yeah. is really scientific as well. Right. So there's more than just the mental state. It's the physical state of just taking. So I encourage everyone, even if you start where I started with the three breaths and I don't do it every day. There are days at the end of the day, I think, wow, I can't believe I couldn't take the time out to breathe today, right. but it makes me realize take the time out to, I mean, it's like, what were yeah. you doing that was so important that you couldn't take out two minutes to breathe? Exactly. To get centered. And in some cases, it takes one minute. Right. We've got 24 hours, and we're not allowing ourselves that one to two minutes to simply breathe. And it is life-changing. I was in the bathroom before we started, and I heard you saying, Alexa, play breathe. Alexa, play breathe louder. <laughs> it's so Mandy funny. Gonzalez. I love yeah. this woman. I so love, I love her. that you just brought her up. <laughs> right. It's so funny. Alexa's like, I'm trying. Right. I mean, like, God, I'm trying to be perfect. Like, Alexa's like, hold on. I'm taking a breath right now. Oh, my God. She just started playing oh. it. It's hilarious. That's, Alexa, stop. <laughs> That's hilarious. That is hysterical. So Amazon is going to be your next right. um, sponsor for whatever you do. The artichoke <laughs> so tour. They'll be, they'll be taking, I think I'm going to talk to Toomey, see if they want to go yeah. on my artichoke tour with me. <laughs> um, so you talked about your fears, which we can all relate to. What are three things that you're super excited about, about this new leap of faith, this adventure you and Lewis are going on? I'm very excited to, for the first time, the absolute first time in my life, to not have a goal. Mm. So other than I say I want to grow an artichoke, I don't really care if that artichoke makes it or not. I mean, I I wanted to make it, but this is not about me doing a good job that I have to grow the artichoke. It's more of 
figuratively that I want to grow an artichoke. Um, So I don't want to come in with any goals of saying, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be creative in six months from now, I'm going to be here, I'm going to be there. And that's scary as well, because for the first time in my life in 63 years, I don't have a goal of where I want this to go. And I'm trusting the universe. I'm trusting my gut. I'm trusting whatever I see and learn that something will hit me and it will, and it's a journey mm-hmm. that I'm on. Can so, I make a comment uh-huh. about the no goal thing? I love that. And one thing that you and I talk about a lot is um, people will ask what's one, if you were just to give us one line uh, that you heard from Oprah or one lesson that you learned that really sticks with you, there's many. But the one that I usually share is Oprah would say, the universe can dream a bigger dream for you than you can dream for yourself. And that's what you're doing. You've had all these incredible goals and you've met them and surpassed them and new ones come in. And now you're going, okay, universe, where do you want me to go? And that's exactly how I ended up getting that job with Oprah. Remember, because I wanted to write with Saturday Night Live. Will you tell the story for people who haven't heard? Sure. I'll make it quick. Yes, because I love it. And and everyone can go back to our first podcast and hear the longer version. Yeah, the very cliff note version is I moved to New York because I wanted to write for Saturday Night Live. I got a job with Maury Povich as as his assistant about a month after I got here. And then I started taking stand-up classes, stand-up comedy, sketch comedy, um, got into a little improv or sketch group. And then... um, Interviewed there at some point, thought I'm never going to get a job here, ended up working with um, Jan Wenner, the founder and publisher of Rolling Stone, as his second assistant in his executive office. And then um, was sending, writing submissions to the Rosie O'Donnell show for 10 months. No one was replying. I was FedExing it one block away from Rolling Stone to, to, uh, I think she was on NBC. And finally, I just said this prayer, set this intention. Okay, universe, clearly you don't want me to have this job with Rosie. So whatever it is you want me to do, and I say that metaphorically, um, whatever it is I'm supposed to be doing, show me what it is. Every atom, cell, and molecule in my body, mind, soul, and spirit's open to it. And about five weeks later, the Oprah opportunity came in and I got the job and I thought, wow, you know, I mean, my biggest dream was to be either a writer for Saturday Night Live or a writer for Rosie, which are big dreams. And yet once I released those and stopped trying to push it, push it, push it when it clearly wasn't happening and I opened up within five weeks, this dream, as Oprah would say, that, you know, the universe can dream a bigger dream for you than you can dream for yourself. This dream that I had no idea about came into my life. I took the job. I did it for 11 years until the end of the Oprah show and then helped launch Super Soul Sunday, which is Oprah's new show now five years on her network. Um, it's incredible. Uh, so that, that, that I love telling that story because again, I, I tell you, that story to so many people, right? right. It's, inc- it's, it's incredible. And, and then even just, yeah. So it, it, it I'm excited for yeah, you I because for story, the first right. time you're letting go of the goals and going, I'm headed to LA and I'm going to grow an artichoke and see what happens. And that's where the beauty is. I think, and we're in a, a shift in consciousness right, right now where when people line up with that, go, okay, show me what to do. And your job is to go with what feels good to you. Right. And, and I'm so, I'm a control freak, number one, and I'm very goal oriented. I mean, you know, I was in sales for most of my life. It's like, how yes. do you, how are you in sales if you're not goal oriented? Mm-hmm. So everything was always to, there was white and black. You either made your goal or you didn't make your goal. There wasn't that, there wasn't much gray in that area of success. And now I'm not looking at success as a goal. I'm looking at success as a journey. Yes. And I don't know, the the journey itself is the destination and the success that I'm on the journey, which leads me to the second thing that I'm excited about. And this will be the first time ever that I will set up my house where I want to go find the finds. And I'll describe that. Yeah, so what does that mean? I've always, every home I've lived in, apartment, whatever, I've always, I've always decorated it, but I've had help from either friends, decorate, you know, people who are more, who are more talented than I am in that arena. Okay. So I still want help because like, I don't know how to, where the picture should be hung. I mean, there are just certain things some people are better at than others. So I'm not putting myself down. Mm-hmm. It's just, that's not what I excel at. 
there are other things I excel at and I know what I like. But when you're busy with 55 other things that you're doing or for me, I wasn't able to focus, focus on, do I really want that sofa? The designer would say, here's, you know, here's four to pick from. And I would be like that one. Mm -hmm. But my real joy comes from the furniture you see here that comes from the flea markets, that comes from the consignment stores in the city and all of those pieces. So this will be the first time in my life, though, that I'm taking the time to say, I don't need to decorate my house because I'm throwing a party for someone and I want them to like it that I'm going to take the time and maybe I will get that purple couch and, and, and I don't care if other, I, the other person I care about is if Lewis likes it. But other than that, it's like, I want to own this. And it's, I, I don't want my decisions to be based on what is my house supposed to look like? What is my apartment supposed to look like? I'm 63 years old. This is where I should be based on where other people are at. Mm -hmm. And even though consciously I never did that, I never said, oh, well, Joan has a house that's really great. Let me match it. I think that's always been a part of my psyche of right. I'm supposed to be at a position in life. And so therefore my apartment should look this way. Right. And now I just want to own it. I, know, I hope that makes sense. Oh, it makes to, like, sense. To really be a part of building a life for Lewis and myself. How do I set up the home? Because I want to do that. This mm -hmm. is something I want to do right. versus farm it out. And there were times in my life when I wanted to farm that out, but I'm not there now. Yeah. I want to get with, I want to do something with my hands. Yes. And that brings back uh, your inner artist, that creative soul that you were born with, who you've always been. Yes. I love that. Is that, that was two. That I was think. two. What so the, the third thing that excites me yeah. is to be able to be in a place that I have no idea uh, what it's going to bring. Like I said, I've always wanted to live in New York, but I knew kind of what, and I, I mean, I was surprised at New York. And when I first got here, the subways confused the hell out of me. I would be calling Lewis all the time saying, so West Forest Street, is that before or after spring? <laughs> and I was constantly running to a point as I was always late because I got off at the wrong subway stop. Now that I've mastered all of that and I could tell anybody how to get on any subway around here, um, I'm leaving. But I, you know, and that's an interesting, so back to the third thing is going into the unknown. Mm. And once again, that causes the anxiety. We mm -hmm. just talked about that. But I am most excited about that. And finding things that I never even knew existed. Right. That, that I don't even know what I'm going. So I can't say I'm looking forward to finding this. I'm looking forward to finding what I don't even know I'm going to find. Yes. Okay. That's such a great point. So one of your top threes of the anxieties about this was the unknown. Right. And one of your top threes of the things you're excited about is the unknown. So back to what you said earlier about the, that feeling of anxiousness and fear and excitement of what, of what's coming is the same feeling. So the only thing that would differentiate whether it seems to be a good thing or a bad thing essentially is your thought around it. So when you start to feel this is something that I do constantly, it's not like just because I'm coaching people or doing speaking engagements that I don't have this anymore. It's just about you get, it gets easier and easier, which is when that anxious anxiety fear comes up, you catch yourself in it, deep breath, slow exhale. You're at the fork in the road of decision, right? Am I going to label this like, oh my God, this is so scary. This could be a horrible decision. Or am I going to label this feeling essentially as this is so exciting. I can't wait to see what's down this road. And, and you get to choose that's being the master of our thoughts. And therefore that's what creates what it becomes. But I have a question. So, but I do think it's, and I think, but you tell me I'll ask the question, but do you need to honor those feelings on the anxiety? Cause I, I do try to honor them. Yes. And be able to say, okay, they're there. I'm anxious about it. What is making me anxious about it? You know, like to dig into it, not just say, you know what, that I'm anxious, but let me go over here. I'm really excited about that. Oh, I see what you're saying. Right. So I've been trying to honor those feelings, yes. but not go into them. I mean, that, not like allow myself to be taken down by them. Right. But to say, you know what, I'm feeling anxious about that. So why am I feeling anxious? Is it something someone said to me that I'm internalizing and I'm allowing their anxiety to be my anxiety? Is it something that for my childhood that's coming up? Because um, I don't, I want to acknowledge it, but I don't want to let it bring me down. Right. I think that's such a great point. So the, the letting it bring you down is when you just let that thought spin. It's like a flywheel. It's just spinning, 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 and you're allowing it to take you down. I like what you just said, which is really asking yourself, why am I feeling that thought? And 
again, is it my childhood because I feel like my mom was a single mom or whatever the situation is. And I have that anxiety of like that whole, I'm afraid I'll be out on the street, which is, seems to be people's number one biggest right. fear. I'm afraid I'll run out of money and be out on the street. So I like acknowledging to yourself, okay, why am I feeling this? And then going through the layers of it, if you can, and then course correcting. And, and addressing it because there's something yeah. usually that's causing it right. to make you feel that way. It just doesn't hit you. It's, there's right. something that's going on that you're able to look at and say, this is why. Right. That's yeah, We talked about this when I left USA Today and some guy said to me, God, I can't believe you left the security because I went to a startup. And I, you left the security of USA Today. You're a single parent. You don't have child support. You don't have anything. And you, know, you have a daughter. How could you do that to her? And I'm really responsible. So I never looked at I was being irresponsible to my daughter. And I had a contract with the startup. No one ever said the, the contract was good, except they went bankrupt. And that, that wasn't carried. And that, that the contract did nobody any good. The company mm-hmm. has no money. Mm-hmm. But that was something we never anticipated. But I went in pretty solid, right? Right. But I, I carried that weight of his comment mm-hmm. for the anytime something would go wrong, that voice would come back up and say, oh, my God, why did you leave USA Today? Why? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you had that security and right. you don't have that here. So, yeah, so I'm trying to not go there. Mm-hmm. Realizing that I do, I allow other people, their insecurities, I allow them to attach to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm really working on that. Right. To say, yeah. do not allow that to happen. Right. And that's where it goes around surrounding yourself by people who, and they don't have to agree, agree with everything you say. And this is funny. I told you this, but I have to share this. Everyone. I was having dinner with someone last night who lived in L.A. when she was in her late 20s, early 30s. She's now in her 50s. Mm-hmm. And her children are in their 20s and 30s. And she was pregnant then. And she said, you know, my husband loved L.A., but I was never that L.A. girl. It never hit me. She said, you know, it's really dry there. Your skin gets dry, your hair gets dry, and your crotch gets dry. And I'm like, I'm not so sure what I'm supposed to do with that. You really went there. <laughs> and we talk a lot about what women should be talking yeah. about. We don't yeah. talk about what we should right. be talking about. Yeah. But I did say to her, okay, I just can't go there. Okay. Right. That's, <laughs> That's some burden I don't need to take with me to Los Angeles right, right now. But that wasn't a negative comment. That was a real comment. Yeah. L.A. wasn't for her. Right. There are plenty of people. New York's not for them. That's right. They love to visit. They don't want to live here. And so I look at the journey as my journey to say, what do, I mean, I've been to L.A. many times. And living there could be you know, quite different than visiting. But what am I going to love about it? There are great things to love about it. No place is perfect. And just being able to go through life saying, not everybody has to agree with me. But I want to be around the people who are supporting me. Absolutely. And what you focus on expands. Um, so focus on, I, and I'm a big believer in that, true. Sometimes I, I feel like living in the West Village, I love New York City. People go, it's so dirty here. I don't, I don't, that's not my experience of it. Right. <laughs> Um, Except the other day I was on the subway and some guy was really packed and some guy's armpit was in my nose because oh, he was much taller than me. Oh. And that was one of those New York moments where I was like, I can leave that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There are going to be some things that are fine to leave with the New Yorkers. Um, so what, when you're, wait, I'm just, because you mentioned talking about things, because I kind of knew that story and I thought, oh, I wonder if she's going to go all the way there. Yeah. <laughs> she went all the way there with a the dry crotch comment. So that leads me into another question for you. Yes, I'm afraid. Um, you've done so many things empowering women and girls and you continue to do that girl quake, all the things that you've done, this podcast on and on and on. If you were to create some dreams, and this is not a goal, I'm just Mm -hmm. saying, off the top of your head, if you could create something that doesn't exist right now, what would that be? Does anything pop into your head? I I think for women, it's really telling those untold, the stories we're not talking about. What do you mean by that? So there's really deep stories. I mean, just, you know, we're clowning around about, you know, in LA, I don't think all women in LA have crotches that are dry. <laughs> but we were talking about this on the show with Catherine Zaleski, who had miscarriages, and she's never talked about it. But And she carried this burden. Of, at that point, I think she had four miscarriages. And mm. it wasn't until she started to talk about it, that number one, she was able to get that support, but then she was able to help others. And mm. so I don't think we're having those deep enough conversations. You know, I think we've We've had a lot of deep conversations here on the podcast. Joy Gordon with Dress for Success, when when 
talked about what she was done with and got really choked up, both of us, because she said she's done with worrying about cancer. She mm. had breast cancer. She went in for her first six-month checkup, and um, it was fine. She was, didn't even think twice of going leading up to it. The second six-month checkup, she had herself in such a panic. She's, she was sure she was going to die, she, You know, kind of like, this is it. They're going to give me the sentence of this is not going to work. And she said, I'm just tired of worrying about, about cancer. And so those are real. I mean, you know, whether you're tired, you know, my mom's 90 now in the past year, she's gone downhill a lot. Um, there are days where she's still that 89 year old mom. And there are days when she's not anymore. And those, you know, all of those burdens that we're carrying, then those are hearts and, and the good things in life that we're mm-hmm. not sharing as well. So, and I think, um, it's being able to even go deeper. And I think, you know, life is sometimes you're able to go from this level to an ultimate level. And sometimes you've got to go in this, the, the, the steps to get to mm-hmm. that next level. And I look at, we're approaching that level of, let's just talk about what we're not talking about. Right. That, um, where we can really help each other. I love that because I love the women's conferences and the panel discussions and all that. Something that we were talking about the other night at dinner is um, exactly that. We're not, there's a, this whole, there's a chunk of super important information that we just kind of dance around and don't normally talk about. I do think this podcast has brought it out Mm -hmm. for sure because people feel so comfortable talking with you and bringing out those vulnerabilities and that helps so many people. And I'd love to see it go to that next level to, you know, of talking more about it in the right. next level, meaning how do we talk? How do, so, how, you know, well, the one thing I want to continue on from this podcast is that we really do continue to share those stories and dig deep. You don't have to share them on a mic if you don't want mm-hmm. to, if it's really personal, but share it with your friends. Right. Don't keep things inside and share it even beyond that close friend network, you know, bring it outside of that right. so that women can understand and men, you know, it's, all, it's for all human beings so that we can all understand that we're not alone. Um, and I think the Harvey Weinstein stuff that's come, you know, recently, and you see how many women are speaking out, they've become brave and I applaud them and we just need more women being brave. Yes. And I, I am so happy you brought that up. It is time. We've been saying that for a while now, the hashtag me too, my God, keep going. I'm so, we all are so proud of those women and that's just one industry. I mean, that's the beginning. That should be, um, I just pictured this wave in a stadium when you're at a sports right. event and everyone stands up. It should just, it needs to be continued what, through the music industry, the financial industry, the entertainment industry. Everybody needs to stand up and support those women. Yes, for I sure. love for that. Sure. It is time. And I was talking to some young women in Pilates the other day and I was asking them about what they thought. And I said, one woman said she was never harassed or something. And like, I mean, that's great for her that right. she was never, the other woman said, Oh, sure. And they're in this, so their twenties and thirties. And she said, sure, I have. And I said, so here's the question. Would you be more willing to speak up now because you're seeing that you can speak up and that action is taken, being taken, not against you, right? but against the person who has, who has done wrong. You haven't done anything wrong. And what's really made me pause, I mean, it just broke my heart, was she had said, I don't know. And that's when I was like, okay, we have to talk. Because you need to change that I don't know. Right. You need to figure out why you're saying that. Mm-hmm. And we need to get rid of that. Because you do need to speak up. And if these women who have spoken up aren't showing you that we do need to, there's something deep inside of you that we need to help. Right. Because you never want to be in a situation where you think you can't speak up. Right. So that was very disheartening for me to not hear mm. that. It wasn't like, like Rob, yeah, I'll speak up. It was like, I don't know. And she was right. being honest. And I appreciate her honesty. Yes. Right. But there's a long way to go is right. what I'm getting yeah. to. There's a long way to go. And I, I, I want to say on this line too, what popped into my head is you have created such an, a safe place for women and all that you've been doing with women and girls and empowerment. And you've been East Coast centric 
you, you, I know Maria Shriver, mm-hmm. a friend, you guys recently connected. I love so this once again, idea. Thanks, I'm, I'm going to thank don't you. Say yes. that. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, this women whole... connecting women. Oh, that's, that's what true. I want to say. That's it's true. Women, okay. It's women connecting. And you didn't, yes. you didn't blink when you had said Maria Shriver and I are friends and I'm going to connect you with yes, her. Right. Through Oprah met Maria right. and, I, and what she's doing for women and girls throughout the world. I love East coast and West coast coming together to create that positive ripple effect globally. So that's what I see happening. I don't know what you guys are going to do, but I see it happening. Um, and it's huge and it's global. I can't articulate what that is, but what you just were speaking of, what she's been doing, these coming together with all of your contacts and connecting women as we both do, um, continue supporting and connecting women. Yeah. I, I, I see there's something great in my future. I don't know. I, I, I'm not like I see it, but I feel it. Yeah, feel that there's it. something great in my future, but I can't get there until I take a break. Yes. To free myself. Right. To be able to find it or have yes. it find me. Right. And it kind of goes back in a way to before I had met Lewis and I was dating this guy who, um, you know, I went from guys who were, I was divorced. I went to, from guys who were good looking and, or rich or whatever. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get more serious now, you know, just because I can like flick quarters off of his abs and I'm in my forties and that's kind of fun. <laughs> There's got to be more to life. I, I was like, I never introduced Allie, my daughter to any of these guys. Okay? <laughs> <And> never. <laughs> and then um, so I was dating this guy who was really, really smart, but we had no chemistry. So I could talk to him on the phone for like hours because mentally he was stimulating, but there just was no chemistry physically at all. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm just done with, not in a bitter way. I just don't want to date right now. I'm starting my business. I have a daughter. You know, I've been divorced for only a couple of years and I, maybe I just need to calm down some mm-hmm. and I don't have the energy. And I told that to um, my hairdresser and he said, well, you know, you're never going to find Mr. Right if you're hanging out with Mr. Wrong. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I've Mm -hmm. heard that. He was like, no, I'm going to explain this to you. And he said, it's because if you're hanging out with Mr. Wrong, you're in a different stratosphere in the universe. And Mr. Right is out there, but he's not coming down to you. Mm -hmm. And the universe is not going to send him. He's not coming. And you're never, that's never going to happen. And I swear this is similar to like your story with Oprah, once you open yourself up. But this one was like within two days Lewis entered my life. Wow. And, and I think it was because I really was taking that in about, I want to get into the universe. I want to be in the right universe. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be in this wrong universe anymore. Mm-hmm. So how old were you when you met Lewis? May I was 40, 47, 47. I love that. And I'm again, going. that speaks to the whole, you know, me, like me too. And the different partners I've had in meeting my love at 50. So Which I'm so excited right? for you. Yes. I know. So I love your face, how it changes when you talk. Yes. About so I just feel that all the people listening at the, the, from the 20 year olds on up life just keeps getting better. The more you open up, get out of the box. And so I want to say, um, what you've led such an incredible life. What are, what are two things you're most proud of? The first thing that comes to my mind is my daughter. Yeah, Allie. Yes, I'm proud of how the universe brought us together. And I say I'm proud of that because I think I intentionally had something to do with making that happen. So I'm proud that that I'm proud of. And I'm just so proud of Allie that she's going through those growing stages of figuring out who, I mean, she's 24, right? I mean, so she doesn't have all the answers in the world. None of us do ever, but she's 24. But she, she's so in touch with who she is and yes, she's still 24. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not totally, but the things that excite her is what makes me so proud of her. So when she spent the six months in India working with one of the volunteering with one of the schools with, she's the first who I'm on the board of, and then six months in Nepal with Maggie Doyne. And that's what really lights her. It's not the Gucci purse. Mm -hmm. It's not the Louboutins. I mean, she doesn't want any of that. It's being able to do something good in the world. So I'm so proud of her that she has grown. She's becoming that she is a young woman. And that's what's important to her, her dog, her cat, Mm. being kind to people and trying to make life better for others. Mm. So, you know, she could have turned out many ways. And I'm so proud that she's that she is who she is. Yeah. Um, 
and and I'm so proud of Lewis. I mean, so that's not something I've accomplished. But if I look at what I'm the people I'm proud mm-hmm. of in my life, but one of the things that I'm proud of that I've actually done, like if I can say, you know, what have I what have I done that I am the most proud of? It's being true to who I am. It's um, I don't, I'm trying to find the right words for it. It's when I get lost, being able to dig deep and say what's right and what's wrong and having a moral compass and an integrity that I got from my parents. I just mm. did, just didn't happen. Um, or maybe it did. You know, if you look at the universe and our past lives, maybe, maybe it did, but, mm. um, to be really proud that I've made a lot of mistakes in life and, but I don't have many regrets. Yeah. Because the mistakes were made with the with the right intent. Right. There are people that I've hurt, never intentionally. There are people who were upset with me. Um, and I've always tried to make amends because it was never done with intent. It was done with misunderstanding. The, the hurt was caused from a misunderstanding. Right. From no someone not realizing where you were at the time, mentally or physically or emotionally. And it was never about hurting them. Um, so that's what I'm most proud of is being able to course correct and say what's what the most important thing in life is integrity and your moral compass yes. and go back to that. Mm, I love that. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so, I'm proud, so of you. proud of you and everything you've done and what you continue to do. And I always feel so lit up when I'm around you and Lewis and observing the two of you and your relationship and He's how much great. you respect each other. Yeah, we really do have a wonderful, and that's a, you know, another thought I want to leave with everyone is we can all have that great relationship if you just can't settle right. for less than right. that, whatever that great relationship is. And that goes back to the moral compass and our integrity. That's the one thing. Lewis and I are very different, as you know, on the surface. Like mm-hmm. if you just see us on the surface, um, I mean, I think we look cute together. We do. Great looking couple. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we look cute together. We yeah. fit each, you know, we fit in, we fit each other kind of. But our way of addressing or speaking we're very different in how we think and i almost dropped I, that, that oops was because i almost knocked over a glass of water not because of oops about how we think but our moral compass and our integrity are so in line and when you have those two things and respect for each other mm. that the world's yours right. to have as a couple yes. that you're supporting each other constantly and that you're looking out for each other constantly so that that's you know I think those are the three that we tell that to Ali all the time. Mm-hmm. It's you know it's about the moral compass, the integrity, and having mutual respect. I love that. And, and my a final question: Your mother's name? Anna. Anna. The, I love Anna stories, right? and I just want to give out a shout out to Anna. What a great mother she is! And obviously, your mom and dad instilled that moral compass and integrity within you. And I just feel so fortunate to be your friend and. Thank you. I'm so I have to hold your hand. Yeah. I'm so I am so fortunate to be your friend. I have to just tell a quick story about my mom and I told her I wasn't going to tell her I'm moving to LA because I wasn't sure she would totally understand it might upset her. Whoops. But then I couldn't lie I couldn't lie to her, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I didn't like think much about it. But yeah. I was like I don't want to upset her and get her really confused. And, yes. But we were at PF Chang's in we're you know, Pittsburgh, outside of Pittsburgh and we're at PF Chang's and I, for whatever reason, I thought I just have to tell her. And I said, you know, mom, Lewis and I are going to be going to LA. And she went back to being like a 60 year old mom with, she was like, honey, I am so proud of Lewis. Tell him I'm so proud of him and I'm so proud of you and you have to keep moving and you have to keep growing. And wow, it, it was like, for me, it was that moment of, I am so lucky this woman is my mother. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hear that because mm-hmm. she's, as, as moments go, and there are moments where she's not totally coherent these days, mm-hmm. and sometimes she doesn't remember the day, and she calls me, and she's really confused. And other days, she knows exactly what time it is and what's going on. You yeah. know, it just kind of goes in and out. To be able, when she heard something about me, 
to go back into that. It wasn't about her. It mm. wasn't, oh my God, you're going to be further away from me. Are you going to fall in the ocean? Right. <laughs> <laughs> what about those earthquakes? Right. It was just all about, you have to keep growing, honey. You have to keep growing. Mm. And so that's the message I want to leave with everyone today. Just keep going. And I'm not saying goodbye. I'm saying I'm signing off from the podcast from now. I will show up somewhere in your life. Yes. I'm not gone. But until then, everyone, keep sharing your stories because your stories matter. Thank you. Thank you. As excited as I am to live my inner hippie, to grow an artichoke and find my purple couch, Doing this final Mentoring Moments podcast has been very emotional. With all my heart, I want to thank you all for making this chapter of my life a real life changer. Thank you for joining me at my kitchen table and for letting me into your life. And I want to thank all of the women who sat at this table with me, including all of the millennials who did the takeaways. Everyone was here to share their stories with one mission, to help other women. And a special thanks to Forbes with a very big thanks to Christina and Lily and to Podcast One, especially my producer, Steve, who I think has learned more about women than he could have ever imagined or asked for. So today I'm suddenly beginning this adventure to live my inner hippie, grow my artichoke and go find that purple couch, knowing that although it seems sudden, it's something I've been preparing for all my life because nothing in life is sudden. I hope you'll follow me on Twitter and Instagram and join me on my adventure. And more importantly, that you'll keep creating your own fabulous stories and keep sharing them because your stories matter. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. London police have arrested Julian Assange on extradition charges to the United States, as well as for violating his bail. Assange is accused of publishing classified documents through WikiLeaks. In 2010, he told Sky News he was worried about what the U.S. might do to him. The United States recently has shown that its institutions seem to be failing. Uh, they are failing to follow the rule of law. And with dealing with a superpower... It does not appear to be following, following the rule of law is a serious business. He also said in 2010 the U.S. officials had threatened him and those associated with him. There has been many calls by senior political figures uh, in the United States, uh, including elected ones in the Senate, uh, for my execution, uh, the kidnapping of my staff. Edward Snowden, the former security contractor who leaked classified information about U.S. surveillance programs, says the arrest of Assange is a blow to media freedom. I'm Rita Foley.